Welcome back. It's our pleasure today to be joined by Lim Tech Yin, who is in his last lap as the CEO of Sports Singapore. And perhaps there's no person that we could talk to that's had more of an influence as a thought leader and a guiding change within the entire sports system of Singapore over the last decade. But I can speak personally as, as he was a, a major influencer in the design and development from the early stages of what's now Coach SG and has seen it through its first um, through it's a couple of years of silent preparation through the first five or six years. So it's my pleasure to talk to him and we'll follow the same format that we're going to try to f be consistent with in our other interviewees, which is the three same questions and just give him a chance to answer from his very, very unique perspective and then give him a chance to wrap up and we'll take it from there. So, uh, sir. CEO. Hi. I think that's the last time I can call you that uh, before I call you CEO Emeritus. Thank you for joining us. Thank um, you. I have shared in advance these questions, and if you're okay with it, we'll jump right into the first one, which is what, from your perspective, are the current strengths of the coaching ecosystem in Singapore? Well, I think when we speak broadly about the ecosystem, um, we are thinking about what structures and systems exist uh, to support the coaches that are out there uh, every day. And when you look at that, there is a combination of what is available on easily on the internet uh, that coaches can tap into more readily than Let's say when I was an athlete, um, there, are, there is access to overseas-based training and education institutions that can deliver online. And of course, what the local stakeholders who support coaches can deliver uh, in order to help their coaching practice. So I would say in the first instance, uh, the amount of resources that are now available for coaches whether you're a serious-minded uh, coach that's intent on improving yourself and improving your delivery, or someone who's looking for novel ways to introduce practice, um, what is available to you now uh, is, is fairly rich and extensive in terms of all the different dimensions uh, that you could consider for uh, developing yourself as a coach. Um, but obviously, from a Sports Singapore perspective, um, what we have been trying to do uh, in the last five years in, is, in essence, number one, um, looking at more formal registration um, for the coaching ecosystem to have a better sense of the state of uh, coaches and coaching in Singapore. Uh, the data that would become available from such registration would be very important for us in being able to take a strategic uh, look at how we would develop a pipeline of coaches from youth to adult to seniors to, from high performance to community and to think about what the coach development framework would therefore look like um, in response to that landscape, right? Just a little bit about 
thinking about coach development frameworks, um, you know that we've examined the development framework that we have and what exists overseas, and uh, we've we've looked at the very fundamental aspects of whether we are certifying for knowledge or certifying for coaching competence. Uh, but these are just baseline um, entry points into a coach development framework. What the framework essentially needs to do is to be able to take into account uh, a detailed uh, understanding of the current existing landscape with respect to numbers, with respect to uh, which uh, sports they cover, at what levels and where the specialties are, and to be able to frame that uh, in the context of where we needed to go to serve the sporting ecosystem here. So that registration uh, uh, process, I think, received a shot in the arm when our other partners in the Ministry of Education, People's Association, decided to come on board to make it mandatory for coaches who are employed by them uh, to get onto the registry. Right? But that's still not the complete picture. But I would say that we are slowly getting there. And the move to register um, fitness instructors in due course uh, will also be uh, certainly a shot in the arm for this idea that we can professionalize coaching by having uh, that sort of data in place and a framework that accompanies that. I think the second aspect uh, of the ecosystem that has moved uh, significantly is the idea of continuing education delivered by coach developers. It has always been a mandatory requirement uh, for those on the NROC uh, to uh, put in a certain amount of uh, continuing development hours. But I think uh, more time and attention has been paid right now to looking at the coach developers, being able to identify them as such and being able to um, put in place, if you like, a pool of coach developers who would service the coaching development uh, system in a much more significant way. And I think we, we likewise have to think about, uh, as I know Coach SG is doing today, to look at developing the coach developers themselves. The third aspect which is still at its very nascent stage, uh, has been about how we think about um, exposing our coaches in international environments through the partnerships that we can forge. So in football, we have through Unleash the Raw looked at what is required to uplift uh, the coaching standards for football in Singapore in partnership with La Liga. Uh, in tennis, we have sought to partner the Voyager Tennis Academy. And I think uh, these two examples um, should provide us the necessary insights and lessons on how we can broaden the scope of such efforts and to be able to have coaches uh, be exposed fairly early on in their coaching careers to a more developed, uh, more, if you like, uh, considered uh, coaching practice and system. The challenge there, obviously, 
has uh, in, in, in these things that I've described has obviously been around um, the practical problem of coaches being able to find time and effort to give to continuing development. The same applies to coach developers. And of course, the idea that we may have to take you away from home for a considered length of time if we're going to expose you overseas. And while it continues to be a challenge, I think now that we've recognized the importance of it, we can chip away at some of the obstacles that lay in our paths in this respect. My sense of our coaching ecosystem right now is that it remains fairly patchy in terms of um, how well the system is identifying potential coaches, encouraging to join up, certifying them, giving them the necessary skills, giving them the practice feel, getting them all on a pathway to development, finding commensurate improvements in their wages. And if you like, uh, building a more virtual uh, system that um, talents, coaching talents of the future would say, this is something that I want to make a career out of. Right? And that would really mean thinking about the various um, pathways, and not just in high performance, but in all the different domains where you will see pinnacle appointments and you'll see pathways to those appointments that look fairly exciting and attractive uh, to coaches. Okay, good. There's a lot there. Um, so I guess if we were to unpack it um, a little bit, because you've, you've highlighted a couple, but the second question is, is a little bit more specific. What would you say are the greatest potential growth areas for sport coaching in Singapore? You've highlighted a couple generally, but are there any specifically that you would point to? Well, I, I think um, the, the understanding of being able to train and instruct on sports skills has been fairly well um, delivered. Uh, and I think the real growth area is going to be in coaching behavior. This has far and deep implications, uh, not just for sport, but how sport brings value to our society. Whether you're thinking about health and well-being as a dimension of, of uh, critical importance to our population, that sport coaches have been able to instill and imbue the habits that are able to be translated to health and well-being of children and youth who are playing, adults and seniors who and masters who continue to play sport. I think it's a particularly important aspect. Um, and then you think about all the other transferable skills that we often talk about when we discuss the value of sport. We need to bring more of that to the table and it's got to be brought by coaches who are in themselves um, uh, 
practitioners of those habits in their lives. Right. So when we think about coach development, we must take the two together as an integrative whole. They can be delivered by different people, and the experts can be different people. We have to think about this as an, an integrative whole that suggests that a coach in any particular sport has got to pay attention to the technical aspects of the sport and the behavioral development of the athlete. The second growth area is this idea of specialization, coach specialization. I think in Singapore, it was my experience and it continues to manifest in many of our sports where there is a single coach for all aspects of sport performance. Right? As I, I indicated, even when you're just thinking about the technical versus the behavioral, um, developers can come in the form of two different people. Um, what more, even in the technical aspects of the sport, I think increasingly more and more for team sport in particular, we do have to see how it's not just one man that covers everything or one woman that covers everything, but you allow specialists to come in and provide for their specialty uh, to develop the athlete and to be able to, you know, to borrow a term from business of the 1990s, look at mass customization for each individual athlete. Right? And that's something which I think is another growth area uh, for the sport. And I would love to see the day, uh, particularly in team sport, when you see a team of coaches surrounding the team and not just one. Um, finally, I, I do believe that those coaches who are able to authentically um, demonstrate mastery in being able to coach the skills and being able to live the skills in their own lives, um, there is a lot more scope in how um, we transfer that experience and knowledge and find opportunities for our coaches beyond the coaching sports field uh, to the boardroom, to management. It's been a consistent message I've heard. Um, and you know that I've had these questions scripted. So my third one, again, it builds from that, but indirectly. So I'd ask you to kind of look at either this either from an individual or a systemic level. What obstacles would you say are there in the way for the type of development of, of the sports ecosystem that you've described? Well, I, I think um, you can trace the roots of any particular challenge in the ecosystem. Um, down to how coaching and therefore the coach is valued in their job. Um, I, I think um, we all understand the, the legacy issues with respect to how coaches are higher employed and paid uh, by their various employers in Singapore. Uh, and it just signals that um, there's a particular way in which um, managers or these stakeholders view what is truly being brought to the table. 
um, we can try at SportSG to continue to influence this from where we sit, but nothing is more powerful than what a coach is able to bring to the table, demonstrably moving the needle in all the areas of holistic development that we hope to see uh, happening on the sport field. Right? And I think credit to those um, administrators who have observed these uh, transformation of athletes and teams, that they have now then taken a, a slightly different look at it and say, wow, there's a lot more happening here than what I earlier believed. Right? So it is the value that we place on the coaching practice and what is really happening in the sport field that would enable us to overcome systemic challenges. And then you will see the symptoms of that uh, mapped out in the way uh, contracts are struck, in the way uh, wages are, are reviewed, and, and I think um, that would put us on a, on, on a sort of healthy footing. The other part to this obviously relates to then how much the coach themselves are willing to sacrifice to almost become pioneers for a new wave and a new generation of coaches that will emerge. We know that we've tried to set up opportunities for coaches to be based overseas for a time uh, away from their home, away from their families, away from their jobs, uh, to be exposed to these environments, to be exposed and mentored by experts, coach developers, and it's been difficult to find people who are willing to do this. Right? Will we achieve it? I'm quite sure we will if we get down to really understanding the terms and conditions that are necessary to allow people to do so. It's already done for postgraduate scholarships. People go away with or without their families and they take a, they take a break from their workplace. Um, and this is the same thing, right? You've got to be able to find uh, that in you to make what you now consider to be a sacrifice in favor of developing yourself more for the future. And that's just in this particular aspect of overseas exposure, right? But um, the rest of it has got to do with your time, your energy, and your purposeful shaping of your development journey. So we have stakeholder employers who must value this. You have coaches who must recognize the sacrifices that they make, just like athletes make sacrifices, and then be more deliberate in the way that they would approach um, their development. Great. Final parting thoughts here as you as you walk out the door of Sport SG on your last day, and it's in your rearview mirror. Um, and I leave this open-ended. It can be from a 30,000-foot level or from a microscopic level. It can be from a qualitative level or from a quantitative level, if you so choose. How would you, how would you assess or grade the current status of sport coaching in Singapore at this moment in time? I will look at it from the journey I've had as an time I was in school um, to the time I entered into the national team and 
and then journeyed with the national team for 12 years and then now having a look at it from Sport SG. I remember having coaches when I was in school who were fundamentally ex-players, lacking any coaching credential, who came back to coach out of sheer interest and to and they enjoyed it. And these were coaches who coach by demonstrating their skill. And it was a little bit, when I reflect back, it's a little bit like the martial arts. You try to, to follow your master, try and do what your master can do. Once in a while, the master, the master who's coach jumps in the pool and shows off a little bit. And I'm speaking about this in the context of water polo, right? Of course, swimming was a lot more technical even in those days, and the coach had to be fairly um, well-versed in stroke technique and things like that. But there was this fundamental aspect of players who became coaches. There was also a very important phenomenon then of teachers who were coaches. And what I saw there was that they brought a much stronger pedagogical uh, skill to the table. Uh, and by virtue of their teacher training, they were a lot more adept at structuring training, systematizing approaches to skills development, and bringing that to the table. But what was common uh, was that as a student athlete, I didn't uh, quite understand from my coaches um, where we were trying to get to and how, based on his or her theory of success, we were going to get there. We just did it. Right. And then the next point in the journey when I entered into the university was that we had no ex-player coach but we had players who were then coaches for the university team and these were national team players national athletes and they basically mimicked what they knew from their national team training and brought that to the university team and that was an eye-opener in itself for me which sort of represented a, a sense, you know, that uh, you can bring what you're taking out of the high performance field to introduce innovative ways to develop skills. You know, you're, you are, you're just bringing it down from the level of the high performance system down to the school or the university system and this was I think the era of where more and more high performance athletes were starting to think about coaching as opposed to what I experienced in secondary school which these were not national athletes these were just players at that level coming down to coach but you're starting to see more and more high performance athletes coming into the coaching scene When I got into the national team, 
I experienced again a range of coaching um, characteristics. There was the coach that tried to apply as much science as he knew, but clearly not certified nor qualified in sports science. But still a leg up from there. And today it has moved because we have introduced basic sports science education for all coaches. That at that time, it was people now trying to introduce those elements, even though they were not certified or schooled in those elements. The next thing was we had coaches then who, coming from international systems, were not just bringing their knowledge on science, but were very clearly laying out for us what we were going to do in the season. It was the early days of periodization. Being able to explain how they were strategizing the development of the team in relation to the talent that existed in the national squad. I remember this conversation that I had with my Hungarian coach and he says, look, Degian, um, I can deliver for this team, the best of what we have in Hungary, but the capabilities, the abilities of players right now will not allow us to master those ways of playing. And so what I'm going to do is to bring it back to a level that's commensurate with where our players are at the moment. And to say at this fundamental level, if you can do this well and repeat that process every time you defend and every time you attack, you're going to taste success in Southeast Asia. Right? So here is now uh, a sudden awakening that um, it's not just about saying, oh, let's take what the best of what you know Hungary is doing and let's just bring that all to Singapore. He was building an awareness among coaches, local coaches at the same time, to say there is a fundamental matching of abilities to mastery of the game based on your current ability, knowing what improvements can be made in individual ability, athletic ability, and team play within this span of time and being able to map that very clearly and I found that most refreshing from the point of just trying to do our best with no clear explanation, if you like, of the type of context and practice that we were going to embark on to achieve the result we wanted to achieve. And then I experienced a regression when we went away from getting a coach from a strong water polo playing tradition to one that was closer to home and cheaper. And we were back to doing a lot of things and not clear where we were heading. Um, But 
have to bank and, and really rely on what we had already developed because the team had already moved. And that sort of characterizes, I think, what we would see in our, in our coaching system if Coach SG does not keep a handle on looking for the fundamental building blocks of how processes and systems are designed intentionally, introduced and continue to grow what the system is able to absorb or what the athletes are able to absorb and take us to the next level and the next level and the next level. If you just go to YouTube or Facebook or Instagram and you take the best of what you see there and you bring it into your coaching practice, as I'm sure many do, you are not likely to have the building blocks around which mastery can be built. So when I started off by saying that I think our coaching system and ecosystem right now may probably be quite patchy, I think I'll summarize it by saying I've seen progress in the system dimensions that I mentioned earlier on. I've seen progress in how coaches themselves are beginning to value continuing development opportunities. I've seen an acceptance now that there is much more that we can do to improve the quality of coaching down from schools all the way. I think MOE certainly has expressed that idea. And I think what we need to be able to do now is to paint the landscape in more detail. And from that level of detail, start to look at those things that I mentioned earlier on, which is what does it mean to progressively coachability and move the needle institutionally for teams along what we call the pathway. In other words, define what the pathway looks like and not just speak about pathway um, as a concept with no details within the pathway concept and the implications to coaching. Fantastic. Um, I think I will finish by saying that this conversation serves as a brilliant example of why I have loved the eight and a half years of conversations like this that we have had. I never leave one of these conversations without feeling as if there are multiple nuggets of information there that, that I personally can, can use to grow myself, but certainly this is a, a demonstration of the quality of vision and leadership that you've provided um, to many of our individual journeys in, in sport here. Um, and so personally, I'd like to, I would like to thank you for, for the opportunity to work with you, but I want to take this opportunity as well on behalf of all the sport coaches in Singapore to say thanks for the leadership that you've provided uh, during your tenure. Um, I don't think uh, Coach SG would not be in existence were it not for your vision and guidance. And so for that, I know we all say thank you. And uh, I hope that as you leave, it's not a goodbye to this, the, the coaching profession in Singapore. There's so much in this conversation that I think 
Um, this was intended as a once over the world, but there are lots of nuggets here that, that warrant an hour of conversation, um, either in this platform or in some other more open platform, or even if it's just the two of us getting together for coffee. So for that, I say thank, thank you. you. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thank you very much for Troy. sharing your information with thank us. You. And coaches, I hope you got as much out of that as I did. And I look forward to talking to you during our next episode as well. Until then, have a great day.